Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of BFF, Black Fat Fashion. I'm your host, Ayana Ishmael, and on BFF, we'll be discussing personal and career journeys at a crossroad between being Black, fat, into fashion, or if you're like me, some resemblance of all three. Today, I'm joined by the one and only Marie Denae, a plus-size fashion style expert and blogger who is the creator of The Curvy Fashionista. Hey everyone, and as I said, I'm here with Marie, so I would love for you first to just kind of do a quick introduction of yourself. Um, yeah, so my name is Marie Denae. I am the creator of The Curvy Fashionista, and I've been doing this almost 12 years. Mm-hmm. And where are you originally from? Ooh, I am a military brat. I, I like, I claim California. I was born there. I graduated high school from there in college, but I literally have grown up in Hawaii, Japan, England, and now I'm here in Atlanta. Oh, wow. So what was it kind of like moving around that much? You know, I took a lot for granted. I took beaches for granted, I will tell you that, because like even living in Okinawa, we live, it's on the same wavelength or like equator line as Hawaii. And so it was like the same everything, like beaches, weather, tropics, all that fun stuff. And now I wish I spent more time at the beaches because I'm in a place where there's no beaches. Yeah. (laughs) And when did you kind of start getting into fashion? Was it when you were younger or as you got older? Oh, wow. Um, So I think I had one of my earliest memories is like my mom. So my mom was in the military. So when she dressed up, she dressed up because she's in like her her uniform all the time. And so I remember she had this navy blue halter two piece set. It was like an evening gown dress situation. And for me, I was so fascinated from that. Like I remember just being in awe. And then I started sketching. I, some of my earliest memories of, you know, kind of going back to your childhood um, were of me, like I had books where I would just sketch and draw um, women in clothing. Um, But when I was like 16, 15, 16, when you can get like a worker's permit, I was living with my grandmother and I started working in retail and I stayed in retail all the way through up until 2009. Mm-hmm. What made you kind of stick with retail for so long? Was there like a fascination? I know you were like stylist with that. You know, I think I enjoyed meeting people and helping them. I enjoyed the dressing room situation, helping women find and see themselves as beautiful. Um, you know, I started off initially just like as a regular salesperson on the floor, then eventually grew into more, you know, up until I was like, um, a commission sales associate at a higher end department store. And for me, like, regardless of where I worked, the issues and the challenges were the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And although I did want to become, I did go to school, I started, you know, like to say you change your major like 20 hundred times. I actually Mm -hmm. wanted to go into psychology. Oh, wow. (laughs) And, but then I ended up, um, my, I kind of approached my undergraduate degree from a very practical space. I was like, business is always going to be here. There's always going to be business and I need to understand that. And so I found marketing 
which is like the psychology of selling. Mm -hmm. So I kind of was able to marry a little bit of psychology with my passion for um, retail and fashion. And I was like, I will be somebody's marketing executive and retail executive one day. Now here I am, my own retail executive. <laughs> and so what, what were the biggest lessons you learned with working in retail? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, I think when it comes to selling, you know, I realized very early on being authentic. Mm -hmm. um, I would actually not sell a client something if I didn't feel. I'm like, mm -mm, I'll hold it for you. Call me or come back in if you want it. I think being authentic at the very, you know, that was key. Um, I also learned that it was important to establish and build relationships, find a common ground, um, especially because w I learned that women attached their self-worth to the clothes that they could wear. Mm -hmm. And I learned that, and it was, a, it was, at first it was very awe, like, you know, just sitting there like, really? Like, this is happening? But I think, you know, as I kind of grew in, I think I also had to learn how to adapt or navigate um, politics and bureaucracy. Like, because, you know, it wasn't about being good enough. It was like being a favorite or playing politics. Like it was so many other things that are labored into that, that I, you know, I was really naive in, um, you know, taking people at their, va at face value, you know, oh, you're going to help me. You're, you know, like, oh, great. And, you know, then they're going around talking to my boss because I asked them a question. So now, you know, I would look incompetent yeah. because I'm asking for advice or direction to grow. Mm -hmm. So it was really like, you know, that was probably the most discouraging piece, but my mother always raised my sister and I to never let her see you sweat. Um, and there's no such thing as, no, as a glass ceiling. Also to let no man tell you no. Like the person who usually tell you no is the person who doesn't have the authority to tell you no. They're just saying what was been told to them. So I'm like, let me talk to your supervisor. Mm -hmm. But like, you know, I learned you know, just kind of like it's a dance. And if even choosing not to play the game is a, is a role and you are still, you are still, you still have to face those consequences. So you can't come into a thing like, well, I didn't know, like, dude, like you don't play, you don't just jump into, a, you don't play space without learning how to play. Exactly. Because <laughs> you get laughed off the table and then laugh at for the next 10 years. <laughs> In the family reunions, I'm just saying, <laughs> right? Yes, most definitely. I kind of want to, if you could expand more on that whole no glass ceilings thing, I kind of love that. Usually everyone always talks about the opposite, you know, breaking the glass ceiling. How did that kind of saying come about from your mom? You know, my mom was in the military for 23 years. So she had rank, she had years, she was a black woman. And it was interesting because she was never, when she would share her stories and experiences, she would always say she didn't get slack for being black she got slack for being a woman. Mm -hmm. And so when you're like a black woman, it's like a double negative in that sense, especially in the Navy, it's like all men's kind of space, right? And so she, I think because of her experiences, she didn't want us to be discouraged or to be um, dissuaded from our goals because of one thing. So like for me going to undergrad, Listen, I went to a JC first. I went to a junior college first, right? And then I transferred. 
But nobody tells you the difference from going to a community college than to a university. And I ended up failing my first semester at university. And when I failed my first semester, trying to, I don't have any credits at my, at the university to balance because they average, yeah. right? And so I had to bust my ass the next couple of um, semesters. I ended up getting put on academic probation, ended up getting kicked out of school. I was like, oh no, this is not happening. I done came too far for this to stop me. So I ended up enrolling in um, extended ed or something like that. And I was able to take classes to make up, to bring my GPA back up. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think when my mom says, you know, the glass ceiling thing, like I wasn't going to let this obstacle hinder me from my goals. So that's kind of how I meant, like kind of how that mindset has manifested. So even now as an entrepreneur, like an accidental entrepreneur, like I have faced quite a few different challenges and obstacles, but I don't let it stop me. Yeah. I don't let it hinder me from where I need to go. Mm -hmm. I can also relate to that. I think there's a huge disconnect, I feel like, from community college to university. I went to community college as well. And the first semester I got to my university, I was like, oh, wow. Okay, I didn't pass this class. <laughs> right. I didn't pass that class. Now this is like, I have no GPA. And it's like so hard, like even now to this point where I'm going into my senior year, I'm finally building my GPA back to where I want it to be, but it, it's taken <laughs> <Forever>. two years. <laughs> you like, damn, one bad semester, and it screws everything okay. up. Mm. Mm. And, you know, there, and you don't have that education because, like, for me, I was working full-time, going to a JC. I was coaching high school cheerleading. I, 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 you know, I was doing all these things. So I was like, oh, I can do the same thing at university. Yeah. <laughs> Psych. You thought, like, I mean, I went there and I was like, nah, girl, like I had to, I, I was VP of the Black Student Union because I didn't go to an HBCU, <laughs> but VP of the Black Student Union, I was um, still trying to coach and I lived 30 miles away, which in California time, that is two hours. Yeah. <laughs> and so like in the morning, I'd have to leave my house at 6 a.m. to get to school right before eight. And I had to get to school before eight. So I had parking. <laughs> right yeah. you, after after eight there's no parking and you're like following people around while as they walk to their car for like an hour so that only lasted one semester I ended up moving closer to campus and I started having to pair out different things I went down to like a three-quarters time at work you know I had to start removing things in order for me to reach my goal I learned time management girl mm -hmm. like I literally went to a class Part of me getting back in, I had to go to like this, like, count, like, what is that, like, um, EOP kind of outreach group, right? And they had me literally write every hour out for the whole day. And I had to time block it and create this schedule. And one of the things I learned is that they made sure I blocked in time for myself. Yeah. Commute time, sleep time, party, like party, hang out with your friends time. And then for each class, you had to take for one class or however many units, it was like so many blocks of hours that you're supposed to assign for the week. Girl, and then he had me make copies and put it on my refrigerator. I had to give it to one to my mom and then I had to give one to my boss. Oh, really? Like, for accountability. Was that helpful? Like, do you feel like the scheduling? If I didn't learn anything else going to college, I learned time management. <laughs> <laughs> 
I learned time management. Oh my gosh. So I kind of want to get now into the Curvy Fashionista. How did this come about? Girl, like, so the Curvy Fashionista was really kind of like an accident. Um, well, no, it was a side goal. So I just, I went for my MBA. I got an executive MBA because, you know, I was going places in retail. I was about to be somebody's executive. Yes. <laughs> and so um, I got it in marketing. And when part of, so I was able to focus all of my projects and all, everything that I had to do was I could focus it on plus the plus size above a size 14. Because initially I was going to focus on the in-betweenies. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, nobody's focusing on them. But then as I started doing more research, I was like, whoa, there's yeah. a whole world out here. And folks really, you know, like there are no resources. So my goal was to open up a boutique. I wanted a boutique. <laughs> and um, I was going to use the Curvy Fashionista as a marketing tool. Yeah. Um, and because at that time, blogs were called weblogs. At that time, there was still like this emerging technology. And I knew that, that it was going to be a tool to kind of tell the story. Yeah. But I also wanted the current fashion to be a resource. Like that was its, its initial, like, you want something cute, you want to find it in your size, that's the Curvy Fashionista. And from there, um, I lost my job on Friday the 13th, March 2009. And I had told all my girlfriends around me what my dream was, right? I done messed around and told them my dream. Well, that Friday, I lost my job. By that following Wednesday, I had those printed out Avery business cards. I was at, I was going to, I, one of my girlfriends had gotten my plate sponsored to the 100 black women of San Francisco luncheon. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, like my girlfriends rallied and they were like, do it now. And I'm like, like, I couldn't even cry after losing my job. Like I couldn't even be like sad. They, my girlfriends were like, mm -mm, it's time to go girls, time to go which only, only goes to show the importance of your, of your, your group, your tribe, your sisters, your, your, your village. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I literally just like dove in and I was like, I don't know how, because the only way we knew about making money back then was AdSense. It's like the only thing. And it took like six months to a year just to get a check for a hundred dollars. Like, okay, this is not sustainable. I can't pay my bills like this. So it was really like a, a ton of leaps of faith. Yeah. So, you know, after I lost my job, I was like, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to try. We're going to see what happens. And that's when I met Gwen DeVoe of Full Figure Fashion Week. Um, I was like, I'm a blogger and you should, you should bring me on on your team and we should have other bloggers. And like, she was like, what the hell is a blog? And I was like, listen, <laughs> we will be the ones who help tell our readers yeah. and she was like girl okay I mean I guess and so we joke about it because she was like Marie I was not having it for the bloggers like I didn't understand it like you were just like do it do it do it and we joke about it now because it's like we now understand like the importance but like from there I was able to really meet a lot of different people in the space like connect with different you know whether it's like other bloggers or or designers or retailers like and so a lot of those people I still have contact with to this very day and so 
the start of it was really kind of like a side mm -hmm. step, but the, where it's led me, like, cause like, I think I realized real quick that I am, I, I'm not superwoman. I tried, oh, I actually had launched my online boutique for one season. Yeah. One season girl. And this wasn't even like the online boutiques that we know now, girl. I was carrying inventory. Okay. Mm -hmm. I was carrying inventory in my house. Like it was hilarious. However, I had to realize like, Marie, you can't do both. Not going to happen. So I closed down Marie Denae and I went all into the Kirby Fashionista. And so how did you start building content and planning and executing, you know, this entire blog in a time I feel like where blogging was just beginning? Right. So I knew that there were so many things I wanted to share. I already knew, like, I approached it purposely as a resource, right? Mm -hmm. And so if I, I took what I had learned working in retail and the same questions that would be asked and the same, so I knew what I wanted to talk about. I wanted to be like, girl, you know, if you use a curved belt that lays down to the curve of your booty, if you got a bubble booty, you need a curved belt. Um, or, oh, did you know that, you know, Moni C is over here? Oh, did you know that over in Australia, there's this, or in New Zealand, there's this brand called Moss? Like, and I was, you know, bringing information as I was finding it. So I was like this, I was researching. So I made it my mission to pull all these different contemporary plus size fashion finds into one space because otherwise we wouldn't know where to go. I mean, um, I was part of the, the live journal fashionista, um, fashionista community many moons ago, but I wanted to go more in a fashion space because they're more into fat politics, which I didn't mind, but I wanted to talk about and focus on the fashion side of things. Um, Gabby was in that um, uh, community as well. Um, Gabby had started a couple of months before I did. And I remember being so scared about starting my first blog post. I started my first blog post on Christmas Day, 2008. <laughs> Bananas, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, why? But, you know, I did. But, like, going, like, kind of just keeping, you know, so for me, like, I've since deleted that post because, like, <laughs> but, like, you know, in this journey for me, when it came to writing, I wanted to, I had so much information. So for me, like I could use my words. I knew how to write. Like I come from, my undergrad major was a comm and a business mix, mm -hmm. business, entertainment, and tourism. And so it's a very unique mixture, yeah. but I got a lot of communications and business so business was the foundation and calm was more of the electives so i kind of got a hybrid of both worlds and so i was able to write conversationally which i didn't realize was hard for a lot of people yeah it's not something that we get like taught in like journalism so like when you're trying to learn how to be conversational it's so much harder surprisingly right as i've had different interns i'm like how would you would you say this to your girlfriend no i'm like then why would you put it here <laughs> like i want you to talk like you're talking to your girlfriend and you're teaching her something that she didn't know mm -hmm. oh okay and you know it's like that whole process because this is where the marketing side comes in when you learn how to sell to someone without selling to them yeah like i want each piece that you read that you learn something not realizing you've learned something and then you're like, one day you're like, oh, I learned about this. Oh, I'm the curry fashionista. Like that's 
you know, I want it to stick with you. I want you to be fed, but it doesn't always have to be a full course meal each time. Mm -hmm. And so my process, like I would, I would pay attention to what people were asking, you know, what they were asking about, what they were looking for. Um, before I understood SEO keywords, before I understood SEO, before I understood um, what a keyword was, I was just writing to help, you know, show everybody what's going on. And then my process, like I was crazy. So I would spend my weekends and I would crank out like 10 pieces of content every weekend. I had no life. Are you writing them all yourself? Oh yeah. For the first, um, five, six years. Yeah. What was that like? <laughs> like I know that even just thinking from like my aspect of like, Oh, I'll push out an article a day that's like fine but to be producing that much content what was that like was it just a oh, it's stressful like for me i didn't have weekends i didn't have a you know what's a work-life balance but for me i saw it as a necessary sacrifice yeah which maybe i shouldn't have like swung the pendulum that far however you know for me i knew like i needed to do it because in my mind i have always saw the curry fashionista like once i realized like okay i'm gonna do this for real like my goal is to, to bring the curry fashionistas to the same place and same level as the who, what, where refinery bustle. Right. And it can be that. And it's already stepping up to be that, yeah. you know, to sit on the same level for me, I just got to build out my editorial team. Now I want to come with some, <laughs> but that's not my lane. Yeah. That's not my gift. So now it's like working and finding different ways and different people to kind of build that. So for me now, I'm really, you know, for me, it wasn't anything for me to, sh to write about and feature and show showcase other folks. Mm -hmm. Now it's like, you know, for me now, I'm focusing on the business foundation piece of it yeah. so that they can both marry. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned that, what has probably been the hardest part with, you know, trying to find that balance and continue to grow your publication as it gets more notoriety in the community? Um, hmm. That's a big, that's a big, good question. I think some of the challenge is also, um, I'm always thinking of the next. Yeah. I'm like, girl, if you knew what was in my head and the things <laughs> that I'm working on right now, like, you know, yes, we're in the middle of a pandemic and yes, like, you know, the world has stopped. However, I have found so many blessings in this. I'm working on two additional websites to support, like, you know, supporting plus size content. Mm -hmm. I'm uh, you know, working on a project for next year. I have like, um, working on a book proposal. Like for me, it's now, you know, I've, I've mapped out a brand plan and I've changed my mentors. Mm -hmm. I've changed my group, like the folks whom I hang around because I need to be pushed and taught and shown more than like, you know, what I've already known. But yeah, so for me, it's really, learning how to celebrate the, the small successes and taking time out for myself. So now I'm like, I don't play with sleep. Yeah. Ask anyone about me. Like I don't play with my sleep. <laughs> I usually do a hard, like we're in this office space. So I'm in this office, this lights come off. I walk out of this room and I'm done. Mm -hmm. And I usually cut off, like, no, I'm here in here no later than five, hardly no later than four. Yeah. I'm up at like 630. So I've set really strong parameters 
around my time so that I don't burn out because unfortunately I have hit those moments where I have crashed. Mm -hmm. I have like my cycle being impacted because I learned that my body absorbs stress, Mm -hmm. you know? And so I've had to be very diligent in my own self care, just as much as I am in building my brand. Mm-hmm. And so what is a, like a regular, obviously COVID-19 doesn't make anything regular right now, but as of right now, what has your day to day been like? You know, I have this notebook that I keep next to me and I, the start of the week on Sundays, I, I, I brain dump all the things that need to happen this week. And then I break it up into the days of the week. Um, and some days are heavier, some days are lighter and some days are like a mixture of the two. Mm -hmm. And in this, like it's allowed for me to kind of set the tone and the pace. Um, somebody called it like intentional journey, journaling, intention, intention journaling. And I was like, Oh, this kind of like this, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Hey. Um, but for me, it's like, you know, I write down all my goals because so much stuff is going in my head. So I need to get it out. So mm-hmm. for me, a day to day can, can change drastically. Like right now on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I do Facebook live with other business owners in the community. And so, um, most of that day is dedicated to that on Wednesdays and Fridays. I consult with the brand to help them navigate all this fun stuff. And then, you know, I'm writing each day or I'm updating because I have 12 years of content, so I might as well repurpose some of that. Yeah. <laughs> so I go back and I update an older post and make it new for today um, to make it easy on myself, right? Um, and then I also try to do at least two to three things on these new sites that I'm building so that this way, like, I'm still feeling productive by the end of the week. Yeah. <laughs> and then not beating myself up if I don't feel productive. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good thing to know. I feel like when you're doing something so big and important, you forget that like, it's okay to take a break. And right. so what have you kind of told yourself in these moments where maybe you were a little too hard on yourself? Well, I'm a Virgo with a Capricorn moon. So <laughs> by nature, I'm already hard on myself and my ambition knows no bounds. So um, for me, I actually, about like four or five years ago, I had a whole breakdown. I had a whole breakdown. I started therapy and I didn't realize how much baggage I was carrying. I mean, if you think, you know, as a black woman, like you carry a lot of, you carry a lot of the weight of the world and you, and you, then you have like, if you add church into that, the codependency and the, and the presenting of how you are and how you feel and, and all of those layers of everything in your life. And most of the time when I would be upset or I get whatever, I just bury myself in work. Or I got to a place where I couldn't do that anymore. I hit a wall. And so my therapist helped me unpack everything. And for me, I had to remind, I, I learned that I needed to say more to myself. I am enough, period. I had to learn how to do that without quantifying or qualifying that. Mm-hmm. And even now, like over the past year and a half, like even as I look at like how far and what I've done, and even though I feel like, because my path is not a traditional influencer path. Mm -hmm. Like I have pivoted from a blog to a digital platform. Like I've, and even when I had my blog, it was still about everybody else and maybe a little bit of me sprinkled in there. 
you know, for me, I was comfortable being behind the scenes and hiding and, you know, striking away, like, you know, that kind of thing. But now, you know, my word for this year is audacity. And that means being bold, courageous, like having moxie, having the gall, because I needed, you know, those action words to speak into myself. And so through therapy, I've learned how to better process like my feelings and to better um, navigate them, especially when I'm feeling, you know, I'm my worst judge. I'm, I'm harder on myself. I've made, have done something wrong and the person's like, it's okay, but I still feel like crap, yeah. you know, or I've created a whole scenario in my head and they're like, girl, it's okay. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. Thank you so much for, you know, and it's like Marie. So like learning how to give yourself grace is a, is an action thing. You're giving grace to yourself. I've learned in this process what it really means to give myself grace. So when the world was falling apart, when the world was stopping and I was in the middle of making some really good shifts and I was going to set up, you know, I was setting up business conversations and deals and I was about to have to switch over to payroll and really get some of these old invoices taken care of and get other folks set up so I could be like, girl, we going, we ready, we ready. Like I made all these changes and then the world stopped and I freaked out. And then I had to be like, okay, God, nothing happens by accident. Everything is on purpose. Like, what can I take from this? Like, okay, well, if I'm freaking out, then I know that other business owners in my community are freaking out. Like, how can I show up for them? Like, I'm, I already go into like service mode, right? I already go to how can I help mode? And for me, that's where I did started the Facebook live series to showcase other influence, um, other business owners. So people could meet these brands and kind of humanize the person behind them so they could support them in how, and how they've pivoted to make it through. And so it's like, it's just been a, a process of learning how to adapt and learning how to be grateful. I think that's probably one of my biggest lessons is being grateful. And it's, I've been busier than probably <laughs> I've been in a minute, but in a, such a weird productive way. And what has been your proudest moment so far out of everything you've kind of been able to create with your platform? I don't know if I have like a proudest moment. That's such a weird, uh, I think because I'm learning how to celebrate all of my yeah. moments. I think one of the things that really got me, there's two things that got me real hyped recently. And that is, um, I was just featured in the BET um, Glam Gap series. And I loved that video and it felt really good to be seen by my peers because I've been in this for a minute mm -hmm. and to be recognized in this way. And I think another, op, um, another like really cool moment for me was last year for fashion week. I, or for fashion month, I um, wrote an article. It's like, I had to submit, like, I think it was 8,000, 4,000 words. Oh, wow. <laughs> article to essence for um the history of plus size fashion mm -hmm. and yo i put my foot in that i was scared <laughs> i was sitting up all of my journalists writer editor homies i was like yo is this okay is this good yeah. like but it was it, I, I was excited one because that was like the biggest check i ever took for like because it was print and digital oh, right wow. yeah. so, <laughs> that's a lot <laughs> 
right? And I was like, whoa. And, but then I was like, okay, I have to respect, you know, I, I took that as an honor, but I took it as such a responsibility mm-hmm. because I was helping define what, you know, the black, like, especially because the growth of plus size fashion has happened off the backs of black women mm-hmm. and brown women. Like I had to, you know, how do I articulate this? And, and I couldn't just throw a fact in there. I had to have that fact checked by two different links. Girl, I was like, am I in college again? Like mm-hmm. that was like a whole other process and situation, but I was grateful because like that, it felt like I was seen as the expert in plus fashion in my community. And that is kind of, you know, I, I joke with my friends, like I'm a walking wiki for plus size fashion, but real talk, like you ask me a question, I'm like, oh, that was around this time because this happened and this happened. Mm-hmm. Like, but I, I pride myself on that. And I think being seen outside of the, the plus community as being, you know, helping, you know, move that along, like that's, that's been really, um, like really exciting, but there's so many different moments because it's like when you're creating something out of a vision that you had and you have, you know, I mean, I could say, girl, I'm just grateful that I'm in this house right now. Like (laughs) I'm in my apartment, like I have been, you know, blessed in various ways to make sure I could still be here. My mom is over here like, Marie, why don't you just come on, baby? My mom is in California. I'm like, mom, it's not happening. I love you, but I'm not coming home. Do you prefer Atlanta? I love it here. I just wish that all my family was here. All my, all like my sister, my brother-in-law, my niece and nephews. Like my, my Nana, my mom, my stepdad, they're all in California. I'm here by myself, but I'm on a mission to um, get my sister here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, as you mentioned earlier, you know, like letting people know about the curvy fashionista outside of the plus community, how would you kind of explain maybe what the curvy fashionista is to someone that might not know much about it? Yeah, so the Curvy Fashionista, I, I like to say, is your plus-size fashion resource destination. Like, everything that you're looking for, context, who's doing what, what's going on, events, collaborations, designers, influencers, like, we write about it. Like, we, you know, if you want to know something, like, we've written about it and add that context to it, right? Mm-hmm. And refer it back to, because, yes, you can go to a mainstream site, and they've, run, you know, done a quick hit 10 listicle or whatever but that's it like there's no context you know like I want to know like this brand was launched like this person came from this brand and launched their own brand and the things that we saw at this brand you know I, I want to know those things and we need to know those things too because there are other these are we are you know for us by us yeah. basically and to really bring that context and to be that um, central kind of home, you know, and it's, a, it's, a, it's really about that community and shining the light on what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so what have been the biggest things you've kind of learned about the plus size community while covering it so intensely? So I love, I love um, when I talk to people who aren't really familiar with how the plus community works. I was like, one, we're an emotional community. That's, we're a community that's driven by emotion. We're and not emotion in a negative sense, but emotion in a way like we are charged and we are 
emboldened and impassioned and we can see through the bullshit. Like we know that, you know, so explaining that to someone because, you know, I'm like, girl, be careful because if you do this, you about to get ripped a new hole. Like having those conversations are always interesting. And also what I find to be very interesting in contrast to mainstream fashion, plus size fashion is from grassroots up. So mainstream fashion is dictated by the couture houses, then by the high fashion designers, then by the um, contemporary, then fast fashion, and then like the box chain discount stores. In the plus space, it's the indies, the influencers, then the retailers, then the contemporary, then you see what I'm saying? It's opposite on this side because the growth of plus size fashion literally was from the trenches, from the grassroots, from the ground. We helped build this. And so being able to articulate that to someone, you know, has been really exciting to watch their face like light up because they're like, oh, yeah, because then they get it. Because a lot of people come into this space, you know, they get a couple of dollars. Like, oh, I'm going to be the first X, Y, and Z brand. I'm like, no, no, you weren't. <laughs> I, I actually was on the phone with a company and I was like, no, you weren't the first person. Yeah. As a matter of fact, this company was, well, well, we're the first, no, we're not going to see you as that, you know, and, <laughs> but I'm also the person who will say these things. Like I may be very bold and, and sassy, like directly one-on-one with brands and may not be that online, but I'm going to tell these brands, like, this is where you're fucking up. Yeah. This is what you need to do. That's how I leverage my influence and my privilege or whatever positioning. Like I'm going in, I'm either picking up the phone or I'm going in and walking into their office. Like, listen, let me tell you something, you know, like, yeah, you brought us out here, but why do you only um, stop at a 32 or a 28? Like you have all this, you have the ability to scale your size range. Mm -hmm. Like, and I will say it in front of everybody. And where do you personally kind of see the plus size fashion industry going? Like I know there's a lot of designers just now starting to try to make the effort to include plus size clothing. And I feel like it's so complex because fast fashion is currently being like not something you want to be doing on the regular anymore. So and I think for a lot of plus size, especially for me personally, a lot of me and my friends that are plus size, that's where we get all our clothes at this current age. <laughs> like, I think... Um... So there's a couple of different ways that I, so one is growing. We are still in the infancy. If you, if you look at a marketing circle in terms of ages of brands, you know, infancy, like teens, maturity, and like that kind of circle, we're still in our infancy of things. So there's still so much opportunity and so much space. And so I think that we have come a ways, we have a ways to go. And to see, you know, we're going to see a lot of this happening, but we're still growing, right? Mm-hmm. We're going to see this, like, um, like uh, chart moving up, but it's going to have a lot of ups and downs along the way. And that is because, you know, um, for example, our retail wins just went bankrupt, filed for bankruptcy today. They hold New York and Company and Fashion of Figure. Mm-hmm. Fashion of Figure is a plus brand. What does that mean for the company that's holding them, because Fashion of Figure didn't file for bankruptcy. The company that holds them did. So does that mean the brand gets to break away or does that mean another brand can take them? So it may look like up and down. So it's gonna be interesting to see 
even the international players coming into this space, I'm about to get so like marketing nerd on you right now. <laughs> like, it's going to be interesting to see the new entrants, the new collaborations, the new partnerships, and especially now in this space of like where the world stopped and a lot of brands' pockets are hurting, you're going to see some people take a look at the plus space because it's wide the hell open. And then you're going to see some brands be like, okay, I'm not really sure. I'm scared because I don't know. And I don't want to spend the money on a consultant because I'm cheap. But then you're going to have, um, you know, you're going to have like people who are going to be kind of dipping their toes in. And so you're, everyone's going to be coming at different levels, but everyone's moving forward. And it may not be as fast as we want. It may not be in the ways that we think, but I do know that like if a brand is VC backed or if they are, um, retail, like, you know, if they have a holding, a parent company, like, I'm going to push them. I'm pushing them all the way. I'm on their ass. And it's my responsibility to do so because I'm, you know, like, because of my marketing background, I can articulately speak to trends and the, and the community and the shopper and tell them no. Like, yes, this may be an op, you know, like, it may not, like, size four and five X don't move that fast. Okay, well, like, it's still something new that's being available. So it's not going to move in the same way. Maybe don't go so wide or deep in the, in the numbers of availability of, of what you have to let it move and test it. But don't cut it off just because we tried it in the past and it didn't work. Okay, well, did you have, like, what did you exhaust? Yeah. And so, and depending on how early, I mean, like 15 years ago, ZK and Y, Donna Karen had a plus line, but she closed it, but she was ahead of her time. Mm -hmm. And yes, they have DKNYC, the watered down version of, of DKNY, but I did the same, give me my $400 wool pants, yeah. wool, like trousers that fit like a, amazingly, but in my size. So you're going to have people who are the front runners who benefit or who may like kind of give up or may come back and revisit it. Like White House Black Market closed, like just like poof. But like they didn't do any marketing and they were like, oh, we're just gonna close it. Like I wrote about it. I was like, mm, this is funny. But you know, so you're gonna see some new faces and like it's gonna just gonna teeter totter, but it's still growing. Yeah. And so where do you see you taking the Curry Fashionista the next couple of years with everything that you're able to understand of the community? Girl, like, sky's the limit, mm -hmm. honestly. Like, you know, like I said, you know, a little bit earlier, we can do, um, we can bring the TCF to literally sit next to Who, What, Where, and the Zoe Report, and Bustle, and to know, like, oh, this is the plus-size fashion resource destination, like, and to be that launching pad for whomever and whatever, whether it be a writer, an artist, a designer, a you know, an event or whatever we can do to provide resources to help amplify, further push along, because like, that's, you know, this is my purpose. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, it's like, it's helping empower other women. to you know, you know, learn themselves, love themselves and have confidence in what they need to do. Mm -hmm. So if, you know, if you as a writer, you know, you're like, I, you know, you have goals to do, you know, to be an author or to be whatever it is, like, how can the Kirby Fashionista help you? Mm -hmm. You know, and what kind of, you know, springboard or whatever can we provide to help? 
nurture and develop and grow that. Mm -hmm. That's where, you know, there's constant levels to that. And, you know, I have like these ideas of where we could go and it's exciting and scary as fuck. (laughs) But like at the end of the day, why not? Yeah. Why not? And, you know, it's just a matter of like, for me now it's, it's about being audacious. It's really about what that means to me. Like, you know, like I said, how, you know, that's my word of the year, Marie, how are you showing up for yourself? How are you showing up for yourself in what you do? And what advice would you give to someone younger that is just starting out and trying to, you know, become a writer or start their own brand and have a platform to help others? What would you tell them? I think what's important is to understand and know your why. The hows, the whats, the wins, and the wheres will come along the way. They'll change, but your why always stays the same. Your why is your is your guiding light as to what you're doing. How you do it will be determined on your why. You know, you'll have a how, but then your how may change. You you know, I start like I said, I started off like as a blog, and now I am a digital platform. That that shift is my how, right? Now my my how is this is how we're going to do it now, right? And so I think it's really important that you remember and and not even remember, but like identify your why. Why do you want to start this? And when you dig into it, like ask yourself why a couple of times, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, it's so like, oh, because I want to be a singer. Okay. Why? (laughs) Because I want to be on stage. Okay. But why, you know, and when you keep asking yourself, you get to the core of why you want to do that. And if your core is like, I want my, my voice to be a vocal, what do you call it? Therapy type of session for someone. I've been given a gift and I want to share it. Like that's, you know, you get down to your why for me is to provide resource, Mm -hmm. to provide resource so that other women can learn to see and love themselves. And we just happen to do it through fashion and through the conversations and through articles and Facebook lives and offline events and, um, a cruise and, um, you know, all the different things that we've had over these years. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, like, doesn't take all those things that we've done. Don't take away from the why it adds to it. Mm-hmm. So if you understand your why, like, and, and it, it also helps you stay focused. Because, you know, if you decide to do something that doesn't really feel like your why, you kind of were like, mm. you know, you're like, you see someone get something, you're like, oh, I want that too. Well, why? Well, because it looks shiny. Okay, but is that for you? Because what's for you is for you. And what's for me is for me. And, you know, like, like they say, like one flower doesn't bloom because another flower is blooming. Yeah. Like it doesn't take away, you, you aren't taking away. And that's been a huge lesson that I've had to make sure I keep myself reminded to. And I've also have to remind like myself, like I have created my own path in this. So my, my journey is not going to look like others and that's okay. (laughs) And so your path, your journey, your why is all your own. And what is for you, as long as you honor and, and stay true to that, why the things that are for you will come for you. And where can everyone find you on social media? Um, you can find me on um, thecurvyfashionista.com. I'm on Instagram at thecurvyfashionista. 
Um, we're on uh, Pinterest and Twitter at TCF Style. Um, I'll, did I say Facebook? Facebook at The Curvy Fashionista. Um, you can find me, Marie Denae, um, mariedenae.com. Twitter, Facebook, at Marie Denae as well. Thanks for tuning in to Black Fat Fashion. You know you can always reach out via social media or email with your questions or ideas. Make sure you give us a follow at Black Fat Fashion as well as my personal page at Ayana Ish. With love from your BFF.